just now. Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. A little gap since the last one. I know Manchester United played Tottenham Hotspur. Took me a few days to get over that as I, you know, get used to this new reality of Manchester United being dominated at Old Trafford by various teams. And we've got a break as well up until the Newport game at the weekend. I had a chat with Newport's manager the other day for the Athletic. He was a really interesting lad. And this podcast is brought to you in association with Improve Easy. Improve Easy are helping United fans across the country save money on their energy bills by installing home improvement measures such as free solar panels, free boilers and free insulation. All you need to do is text the word EASY to 60777 to see if you qualify. That's EASY, E-A-S-Y, text that to 60777. Why not do it? There's government funds out there and you might be missing out. So with us having no games, I thought... I'd invite Neil Wood onto the podcast. Uh, Neil was a professional footballer, most famously uh, in Sarajevo, or maybe not, maybe at Manchester United, and very talented young pro at United, had a lot of injuries, and then he retrained as a coach, starting off really, really young with volunteering his time at Aston Villa, and his talents were spotted, and he rose up and up and up, and then he got offered a job at Manchester United, which is a good job because he's a Stratford lad and he's a Manchester United fan. And he ended up in charge of the 21s, the reserves, up until 2022 when he moved to be the manager of Salford City. I think he took Salford to their highest ever league position last season. This season didn't go as well and he left Salford a month or two back. But I thought Neil would be good. And cheers for joining us, Neil. Thanks, Andy. Thanks. Very nice uh complimentary introduction that um yeah pleasure to be on and, and speaking to you is that all accurate what i said yeah pretty much so yeah it's not bad that you've done some good uh good homework there but yeah pretty accurate and um spot on well i can't get on your case too much because you grew up about 200 meters from me in stretford and and you know <laughs> I, and you know half my family so you know what i mean this <laughs> this ain't a tabloid hit job this i want this to be a nice chat where you give us some insight. First of all, what, what have you done since leaving Salford? And how was Salford for you? It was your first job as a as a manager where you went alone in, in a professional league and obviously local to you, so I could see the attraction why you left Manchester United for that. But how would you weigh up the experience? Um, I, I think it was a, a good experience. Um, and... Like I've said previous in previous interviews that I've done, it was it was probably the right time to go and have a go at managing the leagues. Um, and Salford approached me, and they wanted to kind of change the culture there, change uh, the way they play and the, the identity of the team. So that's what I did. You know, I went in there, um, and it was kind of taken over from fairly different football from what I was used to and that was a challenge to get you know a squad of players um playing how I wanted them to play which I did in the end um you know we had a really successful season um last season we we um we got to the playoffs we were literally five minutes away we conceded in the second leg against Stockport with five minutes to go and unfortunately we lost on on penalties so we were so close but you know, on top of that, you know, I think we, I think it was the most wins that Salford have had in League Two, highest league position. 
Um, when we when I looked in more detail with the metrics, we were, you know, league's top goal scorers, um, highest possession in the league. We were in the top three, top five for most of the metrics, which was which was really pleasing. So, yeah, it was a really good first year. And, of course, you pick so many things up along the way. Um, there's so many different teams and styles of play and little tweaks within the tactics. Some like to play, some more direct. Um, and you pick up all the, the, the little, you know, the little dark arts that teams like to do to waste time and so on. So, yeah, it was really educational and, and, and you know, don't regret any of it. What happened this season? Well, we we struggled with injuries from the start of the season and we had some some strange injuries. You know, we had two two players that went down with appendicitis, which is a really rare injury for, for footballers. Um, and it doesn't come across, doesn't come happen often. So we had two of those. And then we had some knocks and we had some muscle injuries and we just couldn't get a full fit squad. You know, we, we had to almost, it's a bit like United has been this season. We had eight to 10 players injured constantly from the start of the season. Um, and it was really frustrating. You know, we'd get one or two back and then we'd play a game. Someone would get a bad tackle, ankle ligaments gone or medial ligament gone. And it, it was just frustrating. We just couldn't get a run of games where we could put the same team out and get some consistency. Um, and we were just, in the end, we were just trying to hold, get a result just to, you know, bide a bit of time for players to come back. But unfortunately, it, it didn't come. What's it like as a club? Good people there? Yeah, there's some great staff there, you know. We had, um, it's obviously not as big staff-wise as what you're going to get in the Premier League or a championship club, but it was slowly building, but there's, there was some really good people there and, you know, the the guys in their day-to-day were just working so hard. Everybody was trying to improve everything, trying to um, professionalise, trying to drive the club forward off the pitch as well. Um, and everyone was focused on, on doing that. So, yeah, some really, some really great people and really dedicated people there. You came up against Newport County a few times. That's Manchester United's next game. I spoke to the manager, Graham Coughlin, um, a couple of days ago. He's a big, big Manchester United fan. You probably know more about Newport County than 99% of people listening this. What are they like? What are they going to be like for United to play against? Well, we we played them twice uh, last season. Um, the second We beat them both times. The second time, Graham was was in charge, but he'd, he'd not been in there long. Um so he was still trying to stamp his way of things, his way of playing onto the team. Um, so I think he's done a, a great job there. You know, he went in to a club that was that was struggling last season, um, and he's brought in players that he could do. I, I'm not sure where his budget stands, but I doubt it would be really high in, in as a League Two team. Um, but he's done really well, and he's picked up some great results. I know they beat Wrexham at the weekend. And they'll be like Graham is, you know, they'll be hardworking, they'll be full of energy, um, they'll be tough, they'll compete. You know, that's how Graham likes his teams. Um, and also it'll be, it'll be a big, big game for him because I know he's a, he's a big he's a big Man United fan. Match-going fan used to travel over in the 80s with his dad. 
like proper, even when he was a professional footballer, would get a bollocking off his manager because he turned up late, late at Plymouth because he'd been at Old Trafford the night before. So, yeah, it's an <laughs> um, interesting story. I, I invited United We Stand uh, readers to put some questions to you um, via our website, udvsonline.com. So if it's all right with you, I'll, I'll read some of them um, to you. Yeah, no problem. First one is, um, United players now face more criticism than ever because of social media. What state steps can a club take to help them deal with this pressure mentally? So you've been at United, you've been at Salford. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a, a big thing across football and, you know, social media is a big thing now and, you know, everybody says the easiest thing is to just not go on it, but everybody goes on it. So um, it's really difficult and it's it's difficult for, for any player, no matter how old you are or how young you are. If, you know, if you're reading good things about yourself, it's it's nice, but is it how long is it nice for? And then the moments you can read that and the one negative comment, I'm sure that that sticks in, in most people's mind, which it would do for anyone. So... It's really, it's really difficult for clubs to control and control, obviously, control their players going on it. Um, but I know, the, I know these clubs out there are doing a lot of work. I know the Premier League and the LMA. You know, they've got um, people out there getting around clubs and educating and and just trying to help players deal with it. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really it's a really difficult thing, but you know, social media works both ways as well. It can really help you and it can really hinder you at the same time. Did you look at it for you? I think it's difficult because I try to stay away from it as much as possible because even when you're doing well, I think it's important you you don't get too carried away and you can be winning games and you know it's easy to go on it then, but. Um, the same applies for if you're losing games. You don't really want to be looking on it and looking at the comments and, you know, it's it's one of those. If, I'm sure if you asked um, every fan of each team to, to pick their starting lineup, there'd be thousands of different starting lineups. So, yeah, it's always difficult to, to take it in. You're mindful of it, but I think if you let it run you or run what you're thinking too much, then then you're not doing your job properly. I remember uh, I saw a lot of Gary when he was manager of Valencia after matches and he'd have like someone with him and say, oh, this is coming in. And it'd be like a local journalist with 40,000 followers, you know, really going for him. And I suppose different people take it, take it differently. And I thought he took it quite well. It's like, this is legitimate criticism. And then you get people going into, you know, more, more personal abuse and, I think with a lot of the players, and I've written quite a lot around the area, they're the best players in the class and the school and the area, and everyone's blowing smoke up the backside, and everything's going absolutely wonderful, and they're very attractive as humans, and suddenly, bang, it just flips, and some of them just don't know how to take it because they've never had it before. Mm. Yeah, it is, it is very difficult, and I think that's part of having good staff and good coaches around and good leaders around that they they can almost educate and keep keep people's mind level and, and like you say you know I think there is there is an argument and there is a real bonus point to real 
constructive criticism and it can help and it can help improve. But I think it, it there becomes a point where it crosses the line and it starts becoming personal or we've seen re uh, recently some racist some racist uh, insults and and stuff that is going on, then that just way, way, way crosses the line. You know, that that's not needed. Next question is about Kobe Mainu. Um, he's someone I've spoken to you about for three, four, five years. Um, you know him well. You were, you were his manager. Um, he seems like a special talent, says one reader. I think everyone would agree with that. How have you made of his progress so far and what can he still do to add to his game? Well, I think with with Kobe, he's, he's had a great upbringing. You know, he's came all the way through the system there at Man United and um, he's had a hell of a lot of experience throughout his academy life, you know, on and off the pitch. And I know when I was there, he was still quite young and we were starting to introduce him into UEFA League games, um, slowly integrating him into 23s games just to kind of test him a little bit and stretching but then you know at the right time he'd go back into the 18s or or um play in the 16s whatever it might be to to, to regain the confidence that obviously they're going to lose a little bit when they're when they're playing against players that are four or five years older than him you know coming through that um development so i think what you see with copy now is you know is, is a real technician you know he can handle a ball very good on the ball um, and I, I think that's that's down to the years and years of technical development that he's had. And, you know, he's, he's got a quite a wise, mature head on his shoulders where he's been able to <clears throat> get into the team and keep himself in the team. But, you know, tactically, he's doing doing the role. It looks like uh, Eric Ten Hag likes him dropping into the back line and kind of controlling the build-up from there. Um, and he just seems really comfortable doing that and you know he's got some some good uh experienced pros around him which i'm sure we'll be talking to him and helping him um but i think he's done he's done really really well since he's since he's come into the team what what can he still do or i mean just the fact that he's playing and establishing himself in the premier league at such a young age that surprised me yeah well i, I think you know what you're looking at Kobe to do from his position is control the game. I think that's why they want him in that position. And, and he's really good at that. You know, if you find him with the ball, um, he can find his way out of tight situations. He's got a great passing range. And for me, it's, you know, at his age, you want him to start maybe dominating and controlling more. And I think that will come with the more games he plays and the more confident he gets. Um, and then I think you'll start to see the range of passing and if you can start uh, building the attack and creating the attack or switching the play or playing through the lines or whatever it might be, um, the more he does it, then I just think, I just think his confidence levels will go through the roof. And, you know, that's when I think you'll see him hit, hit another level. Because it can easily go the other way. I was just looking at some of the lads who won the youth cup with him. Some of them, their careers, they're struggling in comparison. And even though they're still so young, there's a very fine line between, properly making it and not making it there is you know and i think i think when you look at the, the top teams manchester united um chelsea man city liverpool i think it's really difficult for a young player to, to come into those teams and really show 
what they've got and, you know, be that mainstay. And I think you've seen it with a couple. So you could say Rico Lewis is doing the same thing at, at uh, Liverpool. Um, and I think with, with, with Man United, you've got Kobe, but I think out of that youth cup team as well, you've got Garnacho that has, has come in and, 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 and set the place on fire really at times, you know, with his, with his, uh, attacking intent with the way he runs at players, you know, he's one of those players that, that gets people off their seats. So tell us about Garnacho. What were your interactions with him like? Uh, well, Garner came over at 16 from Atletico Madrid. Um, and I think he came over with Alvaro. He came over with Mark Dorado. And I think, like, they're coming into a new, a new culture, you know, a new country, a new culture, a uh, new way of playing. So it, it takes a little bit of a bit of time. And, you know, I think you can see with Garner, he was always quite small. He came over at 16. He was quite small, but you you could see he was athletic. You could see he had um, good movement. You could see he could handle the ball. Dribbling, you know, was his, was, his, was his main thing. So even when he started to play in the 17s games and in the 18s games, you know, there was, there was a few times he struggled, but, you could understand the reasons why he was struggling. You know, he was coming up against a real tough right back that wanted to kick him off the pitch. Um, and the thing with Garner, he'd just get back up and get on the ball again and, and run, at the, run at the defender again. Um, and he had that kind of relentless mentality about him. Um, so, yeah, I think once he started to grow, once he went over to train with the first team, he, was, he, he first went over... To train with him when Ralph Rangnick was was here, um, and I think he struggled at the beginning. You know, a few I've spoke to a few of the first team players at the time, and he was struggling with the speed, with the with the quality of it, with the demands of it. And but it takes a little bit of a bit of time to get used to that. And I think you know he had a good two or three months getting used to it, coming on as a sub and um, you know late introductions and. You know what he's what he's done for himself is he's he's got himself into the starting eleven now, um, and he's 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 looking a real dangerous threat and he's and he's and he's scoring goals as well. You were his manager. What was he like as a player? What was he like as a lad? Yeah, it was a nice lad. You know, um, all all the Spanish boys that came over they're really respectful, um, good characters. You know, you could you could have a. You could have a, a bit of fun with them, but they also knew when the time was right to be um, to be professional. And 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 Garner needed that. He was probably needed the little lessons and a little bit of education on on being more professional in his younger years. And um, to be fair to him, you know, he took them on. He took them on the chin, and and I think that helps him. Sometimes you've got to be you've got to be tough on them to to kind of be kind to them as well. And Brexit means that couldn't happen again. You couldn't have it where United go out and bring all those players in from from the EU because you're not allowed to. Yeah, Brexit is. Yeah, Brexit has changed that a little bit, and I don't, I don't know. It's probably made it a little bit more competitive in this country, and I think you've seen more and more young players now being transferred between clubs. You know, I think it's just made the age go younger to fourteen or thirteen or twelve years old. Um, which is, which is, uh, which is what's what's tended to happen because of Brexit. 
Cha-ching! It's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run and grow your business. Shopify is a commerce platform revolutionising millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're selling, I don't know, football programmes, baby clothes, Shopify simplifies selling online and in person so that you can successfully grow your business. You could be selling t-shirts, badges, 150 and other things. So many different categories. Shopify covers all your sales channels from a shopfront ready POS system to its all-in-one e-commerce platform. Shopify even gets you selling across social media marketplaces like Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. It's full of industry-leading tools ready to ignite your growth. Shopify gives you complete control over your business and your brand without needing to learn new skills in design or coding. And thanks to award-winning help, and with an extensive business course library, Shopify is ready to support your success every step of the way. What's lovely about Shopify is that no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify will be there to empower you with the confidence and control to take your business to the next level. It's time to get serious about selling and get Shopify today. This is a possibility powered by Shopify. Sign up for a £1 per month trial at shopify.co.uk forward slash united, all in lowercase. Go to shopify.co.uk forward slash united to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.co.uk forward slash united. And you mentioned Alvaro, he's just moved from being on loan at Granada to, to Benfica. I remember you telling me last year that you you bumped into him in a restaurant in Manchester and you went to pay the bill and he'd already paid it for you because he appreciated the work <laughs> you'd done with him and he had a very good season at Preston North End. What's his level or is that still to be to be decided because he's still so young? Yeah, I, I think I think it's still a little bit to be decided because he is so young. Um, you know, what he what he does have, he, is he, he is a good talent and... You know, was he going to push Luke Shaw out the team or Malasia out the team right now? Probably not, you know. But, uh, it'd be really difficult for him to do that. But that doesn't mean he's a, uh, he's a bad player or he's not good enough. Um, he, he's, he played most of the games. For me, we, we kind of pushed him up quite quickly when he came over uh, into the 23s. And he played, he played almost... Every game, once Brandon Williams went up to the first team, he was kind of doing the left-back spot. Um, Alvaro was the next one in. So Brandon went up quite quickly and did quite well uh, early on with Ollie when he went up to the first team. So Alvaro kind of came in quite quickly and he adapted quite well. I think what he is, is he's technically very good. He can take the ball off, off, off both feet. Um, and... You've got a young lad here who's who's kind of he's came through Real Madrid when he was younger. So you can imagine when he's playing at Real Madrid when he's younger, they're probably not having to defend um, a lot in many games because they're probably dominating most teams out there, apart from maybe Barcelona or Atletico Madrid or maybe two or three games. So we had to really go to work on the defensive side for him. 
um, because we knew going forward he always wanted to attack. He was always asking me he wanted to jump into midfield like Cancelo was doing at Man City. Um, really good character, you know, and plays with with character. Um, so we had to do a lot of work on the defensive side, and I think I think that's where the move to to Preston and having a, a year in the Championship. He would have had to do that, you know, because he wouldn't have been going to a team that was going to be dominating on the ball every game and, and really controlling games. So he would have had to do his fair, fair amount of defending. And there's some really good, strong players in the championship that he would have come up against. So I think that was a, a vital year for him. Um, and I think it's a it's a good move. I know I spoke to one or two journalists out in, in, in um, Portugal and I know Benfica... We're looking for a little bit of a, a project, somebody who, who can they can develop and, and come into the team. Um, so I know I know the move is initially on loan, but I think if he did well, then you know I think I think United might have uh, somebody rivaling them to, to sign him up. I asked you the other day about Hannibal. He came on and made his Seville debut on Sunday night. He got battered by by Girona. And he got booked within a minute of coming on, and clearly talented. <laughs> but you're laughing because he's got a form for that. Do you, do you see a good play there with Hannibal? Yeah, I think, like I say, uh, Hannibal was, you know, he came over from from France, and um, it didn't quite work out for him at Monaco. He signed for Monaco when he was quite young, and mm. it, it didn't quite work out. And he came came to us, and. Um, Another one, like, great kid, you know, good character, played with a lot of character. I'm sure everybody has seen that when when uh, when he comes onto the pitch. But like you say, he's on that fine line where he needs to really curb that getting booked. And because what he's, what he's doing is putting himself at risk of being substituted off the pitch. You know, if a, if a manager or a coach is worried that he's going to make one rash tackle or one, you know, a bit of petulance and... He ends up getting sent off, then, then it's not for the good of the team. So, yeah, he, he, I know he's he's passionate, and I watched a fair few games when he went to Birmingham, and I know that the Birmingham fans loved him because of his work rate and the passion that he showed. But he may need to curb that a little bit, and I know it's it's a good thing to have as well when you when you look at you know Wayne Rooney. Uh, you know, could you curb his passion? Probably not. Um, but he probably just needs to be a little bit wiser with it and yeah and, and try not to get himself booked um within a couple of minutes of coming onto the pitch one question i think is relevant is in terms of working with younger players do you think that putting younger boys or girls up against players who are maybe two or three age groups above them is a good or bad thing and leading into that you often get fans saying this is terrible play the kids uh, you can't lose anything by playing the kids. When I actually think, having spoken to people like you, you can lose a lot by playing the kids because you can get beat 7 0. What are the advantages and disadvantages of, of, of throwing um, players in well under their age group? Mm. I think I think it's a fine balance, and we always did it. We always kind of pushed players up a year or pushed them up a couple of years. Um, and you have to know they're going to struggle. They're not just going to—they're not just going to go up and play a year or two ahead of them, and seamlessly 
to be the best players. Just it, it doesn't always work like that. Um, and you and you're not putting them in for that reason. You're putting them in and testing them and stretching them because they've probably got to the point where it's a, probably a little bit too easy in their own age group. And what challenge are they then getting out of that? Is they you know if it's a midfielder if he's if he's spraying balls about all over the pitch and nobody can quite get near him, nobody can outrun him mid, midfield then it just becomes too easy for him. So the next challenge is, okay, go and play the next year up. Go and, you might be playing against some boys that are 12 months, 18 months ahead of you, but also physically way, way, way ahead of you as well. Um, so it starts to kind of be the next challenge. Then they start to get stretched. Um, and you see that with the 20, I mean, when I was over the 23s, and I know now with the 21s, we, we always... We try to have that as an average age of 18, 18.5. And it's been that for a long time now at the club. And, you know, that's part of the reason is is to put them into that environment, is to stretch them, because there is still some teams out there at 21s level that do carry all the players. They do like to have a strong physical team. Um, they do like to win. Um, so it's important that these young players get that challenge but then it's important to be realistic and not expect them to go and batter these teams six nil every week because they're good players. Um, they are good players, but they're, they're being really, really tested, is, which is which is what they need. Mm. Talking about in-game management, what steps can you take to adjust tactics within a game? Is it like a mental checklist that you run through or is it more situational? That's the question. I, I think it comes, it, you, you obviously have plan A in your mind, you have plan B if you're off, knowing that the other opposition might change to a different way of playing or they might have a tweak within the tactic. Um, but what I found a lot, and this was very early when I got to Salford, was a lot of teams, um, they had this kind of tactical stoppage. and I'd never come across it before where where um, the goalkeeper would go down injured in the game. And then all of a sudden it would be a tactical team talk on the side of the pitch. Or there'd be times when somebody go down injured, again, tactical team talk on the side of the pitch because, you know, it gives gives the analyst time to feed down to the bench or or if the bench sees things, they can to get it to the player. So I, I noticed that quite early on when I was at Salford and, we played one team away and um, we were dominating them in the first half and they must have done about six tactical stoppages. Um, and obviously I'm, I'm going, I'm going mad at the referee because for me, it's not, a, it's not, it's not a team talk, you know, the lads, the lads barely injured. So um, yeah, I, I've seen that a lot and I've, I've seen, I've seen different ways of that in at the top level, just a bit, little bit more cute. Um but yeah, I think it's a skill of getting a message onto the pitch, um, a skill of getting it across to the players um, for them to, to quickly change and, and quickly, um, you know, whether it's change tactics or whether it's go and press the team, whether it's sit off and be more compact. You know, there's a real skill of getting those messages onto the pitch. How important is another question? Do you think it is for Manchester United to have a sports director to support the manager in the modern day? This seems to be the default construct of a lot of leading football mm. clubs. As a manager yourself, how would you feel yeah. about working with a sports director? 
I, I think it's, you know, it was, well, it's probably not a new thing now, but everybody talks about it in this country like it's a new thing. So there's always a bit of, uh, you know, people are unsure. But I think you see now most most clubs, I'm sure, in the Premier League and, and you know, nearly, nearly every club in the Championship has it and it's slowly filtering down. I, I think it's a really important role and I think it, it can help both both sides. It can help the manager, but it can also help the owners or the board, whoever it might be that are on the other side of it. Because you've kind of got somebody in the middle that can take on your information, um, that can support you, that can really help you. And then you've got also somebody in the same place that can also link that up to the owners, to the board, to the chairman, whoever it might be. And it's kind of become a really important, vital cog in, in in the successful way of running a football club. I think. I think. I think it's football's really moved forward in that sense, and you know, I think it's quite an important position. Another question is a short one. Why are Manchester United so shite, Neil? Um, I'll try and put it more succinctly. <laughs> You're a United fan. You've probably had more chance to watch them recently. Although I assume you want to get back into football as a manager, but what are you making of watching the team this year, the first team? Um, well, I, I think they've had similar to what I had at, at Salford. They've had a lot of injuries, haven't they? And yeah. I know they've not been able to get into the rhythm of playing the same team or consistently putting out the same starting eleven. It's kind of changes quite a lot. Um, and I don't know. And I also think there's, you know, other teams are getting better. They're improving. They're signing good players. They're, they're putting managers in and having a real way of playing and recruiting to that style of play, which I think is is massive, really important that, that that's done right. Because I think if you don't do that right, it, it can quickly turn for a manager and he can quickly um, have a team that probably can't play how he wants to play. Um so, yeah, I think at the moment United are striving for that consistency, aren't they? They're still what eleven points away from Champions League, Champions League spots, which they could quite easily make get into those positions if they put a, a, a run of consistency and a run of wins together, which uh, I'm confident they can do. Um, but yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure there's a, sorry, I'm sure there's a lot of work going on on the training pitch there and then trying to rectify um, what they're not happy with. The next question is, scoring goals in the lower league seems to be a struggle in many cases. I'm not sure how true that is or not. Um, but it's also a struggle for United. That's clearly true. Do you see any parallels? Is there a shortage of goal scorers? Um, how, how might shortage United, of goal scorers. How might United improve in, in the short term, the goals? Um, well... I think if you look at, at at the moment, you've probably got Scotty, who's top goal scorer, you know, and I think um, I think Marcus is slowly coming back up there. I know he scored a great goal last last weekend, and I, I think they're the guys that you need to be chipping in with goals. If you think of the the great teams, is always a fair few goal scorers within the team. You know, you think of Jose Mourinho's Chelsea with Lampard and Balak and Drogba. Um, 
different guys that can score. And you look at City now, I know Haaland gets a lot of goals, but Bernardo chips in there, Foden chips in, De Bruyne chips in with that, um, Grealish. So I think within any team, you know, you can't be relying on, on one or two guys. It's got to be shared across the team. It's got to show that kind of hunger and that desire to, to want to score and get in them scoring positions. So I think, I don't, I won't necessarily, necessarily say there's a lack of goals across the EFL or the Premier League. Um, and, and I know United, you know, I know United fans are probably saying we're not scoring enough goals, but I think there's, there is quality in the team to score, you know, and, and I think, I think once they they get going and hit a bit of a a bit hit a bit of a, a patch, then then it can come back. Do you think the quality is there? Yeah, I, well, when you look at Marcus, I know I know people have been having a pop at Marcus, but you can't say he's not a talented footballer. Um, and when he's on it, when he's right, then you're saying he's probably one of the best left-sided players he prefers to the left doesn't he um out there but you know that's on him to show i think i don't know what's what's contributing some of his performances maybe it looks like a, he's a little bit frustrated at times but there's definitely talent there same with bruno you know bruno's got talent if you want if you want the ball to drop to anyone around the edge of the box then it's him you know he, the the amount of shots he gets on target and, and goals he scores but we just need to see more like when he when he first came to the club. Um and and then like you say, we've got Garnacho who's 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 providing um real entertaining moments and getting the fans off off their seats and he's starting to chip in. I know he scored an unbelievable goal at, at Everton away, but with you know, you want to see more of more goals come from him. So there is quality there. It just it's just not maybe worked um, for them as much as they would have liked so far this season. You can sign three players to play for Manchester United. Who are you having? Oh, three players. Um, oh, God. Well, I think you have to go with Mbappe, don't you? I think he's he's one of the most uh, exciting talents out there. Um, I'd go with Bellingham as well. I think what he's doing at Madrid um, and just the way he's developed over the last 12 months, you know, he's, 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 he's a non-start. He's, he's sorry. He's, he's a guy that's just has to start for England as well. He's put himself in that bracket where he's a, where he's a nailed on starter. Um, who else would I sign? I'm not sure. I always think, you know, would it be a midfielder or it'd be somebody across the back? Um, I'm not sure. I'd have to have a good think about that one. You were in the building when Bellingham came. I mean, I, I know you weren't doing the negotiations because that wasn't part of of your uh, of, of your area. Um, but it's a massive shame to miss out on him on on just being how good he is. You you you, you want to manage yeah. again? Um, well, the thing with the 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 first thing with Judy is it's it's a funny story. This we. Um, we used to play. We used to go to Germany at, with the younger age groups and play in a five-a-side, six-a-side uh, tournament out there, which was like boarded in. And all the all the we used to go to this MTU 
tournament in uh, Friedrichshafen in Germany, and all the top teams in in Europe were there. You know, and you, and this is why I say you can't get carried away because we used to think mm, we've got a good 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 players here, good squad, um, developing them well, and then we'd go to this tournament and we'd play against Bayern, Barcelona, Ajax, um, Real Madrid, all the top boys, and you come away thinking. Right, we still need to get better. We've got a lot of work to do with the, with these young players to 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 improve them. And we, what we did, we we um we did a cage tournament at Carrington to replicate it. This is back when this is back when probably Jimmy Garner, um, Anthony Langer, that age group, Ted and Mengi, they were like under fourteen, under fifteen. And we invited Birmingham up and we played in this tournament in the cage and, you know, it's boarded up, there's netting at the top of the boards and then kind of as a netting across the roof as well. So if you're playing overhead or you're clipping a long ball and your technical detail on your longer pass has got to be good, otherwise it just gets caught in the net. Um, So Birmingham brought Jude at the time and he was 13, he was only slight. And... um, he was playing in this tournament and he was chipping goalkeepers from the halfway line on the indoor astroturf. And just the technical detail, it didn't even hit the net. It was just like gliding over keepers. And now I'm watching, I was thinking, wow, this, this young kid's really good. <laughs> um, so and I just remember at the time they were calling him Jude. So obviously I've gone to the recruitment at United, you know, there's a young kid out here, Jude, like you need to look at him. Um, so obviously they knew all about him and, you know, there's 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 no chance that was going to happen at that age. Um, but yeah, you know, was, they they tried to get him, or they got him in the building, and and unfortunately um, for United, but uh, he signed for Dortmund. But I think it worked out for Jude in the end. I think he, he had a great year out in Germany, and um, yeah, he's turned slowly turning himself into one of the one of the best players out in Madrid. I'm not saying you were Jude Bellingham, but you were a bit of a childhood star yourself, weren't you? You played for England schoolboys and scored a couple of goals. Expectations were high. Yeah, yeah. I um, so I always kind of played up a year as well. Um, and yeah, I made my I made my debut for the reserves when I was still in the last year of school. Um, I think Jimmy Ryan was the coach. Jimmy Ryan was kind of doing it with Eric Harrison, and um, yeah, I played played a partner, David Healy, up front, and I scored. Actually, it took a little bit of a deflection, but you know, I'm still going to claim it. <laughs> um, but I just think back now, I think you know, social media was was alive then. Um, I regularly used to score goals from the halfway line. We used to play for Stratford Vicks, and uh, just goals in from the halfway line or. Uh, scored a few feet out from the halfway line when I was, was coming through as well, and I just think, imagine, like, imagine the hype that would be around that now if it was um, if it was nowadays. And you know, it's uh, it's it's a strange world at the minute because there is things like that that can really get you kind of almost online fame, which which is which is an, which is another thing. It's probably difficult for the, for a young player to deal with as well, being having that kind of exposure and uh, attention at a young age, then, you know, you're going into a, you're going into another, another problem, really. You'd have been billed as the Stratford Messi. (laughs) 
So you you working at Carrington? Do you miss it? Do you miss going there on on a day to day? Do you miss protesters turning up as you're putting the cones out for training? Oh yeah, I know. I remember that morning. I was out on the out on the pitch uh, setting up my session, and I just seen seen a, a load of protesters running across the car park. Um, I think for me, I like you're always going to miss uh, United. You know, that's it's the club I I came through since I was eight. And I left when I was 22, and then I went back coaching. Um, so you're always going to miss that. And well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change the 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 choice that I made. I wouldn't change the opportunity that I had to go and manage in in the league in the EFL. Um, when I look back, you know what I achieved there in that first season. Then it's something to look back on with a bit of pride, um, you know. And 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 since I've come out of the job. Uh, I've had a nice little break because it's been nice just to switch off and have a bit of a mental break. Um, I've had a fair few phone calls of people inviting me into their clubs and come and see us and come and have a look. So I've been around a few clubs just to see a few friends and uh, a few different clubs and been around the pro license a little bit. The guys at the pro license invited me on just to be around the new cohort and just uh, be around that. So that was really good. I was there last week with Gareth Southgate was speaking and, and John McDermott, which was, which was, which was really good. Um, so yeah, so I've had some bits to keep me busy and just, you know, it's been a nice time to just, um, kind of reflect as well. And you want to manage again? Well, I, 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 I keep being asking this question and, um, my, my answer is I, I'm really open, you know, I'm not, I'm not in a position where I'm kind of like, I need to be a manager again. Um, you know, I, I really liked the connection with players I had on the training pitch and it sometimes can be a little bit different and difficult once you're a manager because you've got to have that little bit of distance because you've got to, ultimately, you're going to be the guy that plays them or drops them and you're going to get it in the neck no, no matter what. So I, I really enjoyed time coaching i've really enjoyed my experience at, at salford as managing um where am i if something came up you know that i really fancied that was was in a lead role then again yeah, then definitely i'd do it if, if something came up where it was assistant manager or a coach or or even a really good under 21s job where you know they it's a club that really want to develop players and 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 are there to push players into the first team then then I would do it. So I'm, I'm open at this moment. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not intent on saying I've got to be a manager. I really enjoyed the experience of hard, but I really enjoy coaching and being on the pitch and being being around the players as well. Would you take the Liverpool job tomorrow if Klopp got sacked and you got offered it? Well, oh, it's a difficult. I was in. I was in Liverpool a few <laughs> days ago, and um, and. Um, you know, it's it's some environment that that the manager has built there, and I was in there. And just I say no. Thought, You're from fucking Stratford. Just say no. I, <laughs> well, I actually thought, who can take over this club from Jurgen Klopp? Because <laughs> just the way he is and his character and what he's built there, that'd be, I don't know, that'd be a tough job to take on. I think. You think they're in a good place, but, Liverpool, yeah. on on a serious note. 
Yeah, I think I think um, you know what they've done so far, but I, I don't know if you've read a little bit about it. But he's talking about um, Liverpool 2.0, isn't he? And what does the the new Liverpool look like, and what's what's the future of Liverpool? Um, so they're already kind of they've had success, but they're ready to build on it and and reshape it a little bit to, to what the future holds for them. So, yeah, I think it's, 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 a, it's a, you know, it's, it's a difficult club to, to compete with. And the job that Jurgen Klopp done that has done there, you know, that every, every single uh, support and, and person in that club, they, they love him, don't they? He's the, he's the king there. So you say no, you wouldn't take it. What about Guardiola at City? If City rang you and say Pep's leaving tomorrow, come and take over the first team. You know, I think you'd have to turn any top club down, and it would probably, you know, be the from Stretford and, and being a United lad. Um, it, it it'd be it'd be. Uh, you, you, well, you always think, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? It's well, difficult. United have just taken the new CEO from City. So, you know, the, the, there has been uh, cross-club transfers, which is an interesting one. Yeah. It, it's been really nice to talk to you, Neil. Um, we'll keep an eye on you um, and what happens uh, next. Um, we're also working on the next United We Stand. It's out against uh, West Ham, and the deadline is this Friday, so for subscriptions as well. Although I've just had an email from our postal company saying there's a massive rise in the subscriptions outside of the UK so I need to get a handle on that one and then we've got Newport at the weekend so we'll do a a podcast from there but thanks a lot Neil thanks Andy thanks for having me on appreciate that and final question what would be satisfactory for Manchester United this season given how bad it's been so far what are you saying FA Cup win Champions League qualification yeah, I think so. I think it'd be nice to get silverware. I think that would give everybody a boost, the fans a boost. You know, there's nothing better than winning winning a trophy. So definitely FA Cup, and yeah, I think you know the the, the top teams are in that Champions League, aren't they? And and you want to be you want to be in, in in that competition for sure.